Welcome to the Diversity and Inclusion on Air podcast. This podcast is a program of the Association, I'm sorry, the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges Diversity Matters Initiative. The podcast explores various issues related to diversity and inclusion in the veterinary profession and provides the AABMC an opportunity to offer ongoing programming for our member institutions as well as all veterinary professionals. My name is Dr. Lisa Greenhill, I'm the Senior Director for Institutional Research and Diversity at AAVMC. And on this episode of the show, we are focusing on another new veterinary affinity organization, the Association of Asian Veterinary Medical Professionals. I am joined um, by my wonderful special guest, Hira Bassett. Hello, everybody. Hi, great. So as we all know, hate speech and crimes against Asian Americans has seen a terrible increase um, over the last like years, especially the last probably 18 months or so with uh, the um, COVID pandemic. It's been just awful. Um, And it has brought a lot of attention to a community that is often left out of conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, Unlike other human medicine, um, unlike in in human medicine, that discipline, um, all Asian ethnicities uh, remain underrepresented in veterinary medicine. It is one of the fastest growing um, populations within the profession, but still incredibly small, um, small group of professionals. So, uh, AAVMP is hoping to change all of that. Yes, wonderful. So, Hira, tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, my name is Hira Bassett. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am the co founder and president of the Association of Asian Veterinary Medical Professionals. I am a Pakistani American Muslim woman. I grew up in Miami, Florida, so I've got a little bit of that you know, Latin flair to me. Um, I co-founded the organization alongside Dr. Stephanie Kuo in April, 2020. Um, and we joined forces with our other founding board members, Dr. Effie Macriani's, Dr. Kelly Hicks and Chloe Pham. And we built the organization to what it is today. And now we've got an amazing newly elected board of directors and executive board to continue on this journey um, with our founding board members. And I mentioned them in my introduction because it's such a team effort and the AAVMP would not be what it is today without them. Aside from my work with the AAVMP, I am a rising fourth year, crazy to say that, veterinary (laughs) student at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. And I am primarily interested in small animal, exotic and wildlife emergency and critical care. I am a very, very proud cat lady. I have three cats, Mustard, Cherokee Meow, which means Little Meow and Urdu, that are my family cats, and Khaleesi, my vet school kitty. I'm very, very honored to be a part of this conversation, and I'm just excited to jump in for this whole thing. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, joining me. Um, We all know that fourth years are crazy busy, (laughs) so I'm so glad that we were able to find a time uh, for you to be on the show. So... Um, you know, this has been an especially challenging time for our our friends and family in the AAPI community, AAPI for our listeners and viewers, uh, Asian American Pacific Islander community. Um, can you kind of comment a little bit on maybe on some of the experiences that folks are seeing in vet med? Yeah, so 
I, I know that we've all heard in, especially in March of this year, a year after the COVID-19 pandemic, how the number of anti-Asian incidents had risen. I think it was like 3,800 incidents. And by a 10-day span of that original reporting, retroactively, people reported almost double the number of incidents of 6,600, with 13% of those being physically assaulted by, by individuals. So um, I you know, that's that's happening in the entire country and possibly in the world. And it's important that we realize veterinary medicine is not a bubble where this discrimination and harassment against AAPI individuals doesn't exist. So my colleagues I know have felt very victimized, hypervigilant, silenced um, by a lot of what's going on. And it's it's not any one group's fault for COVID. They know that they did nothing wrong, but they're being attacked for it. And um, a specific incident that comes to mind for me is uh, we we had like a bat in the hospital for something. And of course, somebody made a joke about um, an Asian colleague perhaps wanting to eat that bat. And that's why that's why COVID happened. And usually these these jokes, which people frame them as jokes, are done behind somebody's back. And I think that since I'm South Asian, they don't think that I'm Asian. So they think mm-hmm. it's fine to mention it to me. And it just, it makes me sick to my stomach. And, and my favorite thing to ask whenever somebody says something discriminatory or, or sexist or homophobic or anything like that is, wait, what do you mean? So that they have gotcha. to explain their joke or what their joke is and go from there. And I, I'm, I, I, I want to say lucky in that I am South Asian and haven't experienced to the same form of discrimination as all the anti-Asian hate crimes due to COVID. Um, but, you know, my heart still goes out for them and I still advocate for them as much as I can. And I also think that it's important to point out that we as a country are very, very bad at telling apart different Asian people. And (laughs) like, you know, you look at anybody who looks East or Southeast Asian and you just think they're Chinese. So that kind of goes into the model minority myth, which, you know, we've had a conversation with in the AABMP about how that has established Asians as this monolith. And that just destroys what we really are, which is a huge ethnically, culturally, spiritually diverse group of people. And um, just these these rise in crimes and my poor colleagues are dealing with so much. But I think thanks to the support that they've received, you know, normally Asians are kind of put on the back burner because we're seen as that model minority that doesn't need the support. Mm-hmm. But now with the call for help and people reaching out for help and other organizations such as Stop AEPI Hate coming out, people feel like they can speak out so they don't feel as silenced. But also in vet med, we are not the the most advanced profession. And so even reporting anti-Asian or discriminatory instances, it's usually not responded to as well. And we had a talk with Dr. Farber for our first event for AAPI Heritage Month, and she was mentioning an incident where she was discriminated against, and it was basically handled as, oh, you should just get over it. It's, it's a complex issue. It's not going to be solved by, you know, one thing, but that's just some of the experiences that I, I have heard of that I can comment on. And sure. it's, it's so insane. Yeah. So I, I definitely encourage um, viewers and listeners to uh, check out episode 80, which is the episode that um, I did last year, almost a year ago um, with, with a colleague called The Myth of the Model Minority um, that really kind of focused on um, what Hida 
just mentioned and really kind of um, understanding um, that that this model minority is a myth. It's it's um, and it's a damaging myth. Um, but I think that the other thing that I think is important um, that, that you mentioned is that the kind of Asian diaspora is very, very broad. Um, and, you know, Asia as a continent is I mean, is huge. Um, and, you know, a lot of times folks kind of forget about uh, um, uh, India. They forget about Pakistan. They forget about all of the islands. They, I mean, it's just like, you know, um, really kind of, uh, okay, well, Chinese, Japanese, and okay, Korean. And then, then there's yeah. everyone there's else. 48 countries in the continent of Asia and 11 recognized countries in the Pacific Islands. So it's arguably the largest continent with a population on Earth. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so it's really, really diverse. And so, you know, this idea of, um, oh, okay, well, I can make a joke here because those people aren't <laughs> in the immediate area. And it's like, okay, but, but we are. <laughs> so, so, you know, definitely it, um, it really speaks to the complexity of um, how, um non-Asians kind of see, um, you know, the, the diaspora and kind of um, are, are frankly ignorance around, you know, Asiatic identity. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So tell us about the organization, AAVMP. Yeah. So um, again, we founded in April of 2020. It was about late April. And I remember just feeling, I think it was the the new COVID isolation and the feeling of just, oh, I want to connect with somebody. I want to, like, I have my friends in vet school and I have my family to lean on, but I just, I, I felt like I had this need for diversity in the field in that call. And I was inspired by LVMA and Black DVM Network and Pride VMC and all these organizations that created spaces for these people in VetMed. And I thought, why can't we do this for Asians? And so um, I created the Instagram page and I connected with uh, Dr. Stephanie Kuo. And from there, it kind of grew. So uh, going through that journey, again, I think that Again, no colleagues look like me. No professors look like me. I still have yet to in-person meet a South Asian veterinarian, um, which is insane. But I think also geographically, I'm in the South in Florida, so there aren't really that many of us. But um, And then once I also looked at the leadership roles, and there weren't that many that were representative of what our profession is becoming. Yes, we are a very white profession, but now we're lucky in that there are more uh, underrepresented minorities in leadership roles, but not many Asians. And I just felt that we needed somebody to advocate for AAPI individuals in the vet profession and provide that support in order to create the actual change in the field. Awesome. And with the recent tragedies in our community, um, we we're happy that the AVMP was established to fill that very obvious need for a place for colleagues to come and talk about their emotions, their anger, frustration, anxiousness, nervousness, anything, find solidarity with each other. And a lot of what um, people share the same sentiments of, there are so few of us and there's a huge cultural stigma in Asia about the pressure into going into more successful careers. So our parents think there's only human medicine, engineering, or being a business person. <laughs> and in that sense, simply seeing somebody who looks like us pursuing the field as a veterinarian or a veterinary technician shows them that this is something inspiring, something attainable, and that we, you know, are, are here to do it and it can be done and we can be successful. So yeah. that's 
kind of why I was inspired to do it. And then it turned into something huge (laughs) and I'm gradually adapting and we are all together listening to what our members need and adapting the organization for that. Sure. Starting a new organization is, is, is tough work. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's tough work. It's tough work. So what exactly is um, AAVMP's mission? Yeah. So our mission in general is to inspire, empower, and support Asian uh, veterinary professionals internationally. We have four core values. So representation is one of them, which was a big one. And it increases the visibility of Asians, encourages equal representation, and motivates future generations. Mentorship is another major one. We want to foster success for Asian pre-veterinary and veterinary professionals, kind of offer that guidance and support because mentorship is great, but mentorship with understanding somebody's background is even better. So um, that just gives a unique perspective. And then advocacy, which has been huge lately, is to advocate for the needs of our members and provide information about certain minority struggles within the profession and emphasize the value of diversity and to break these stereotypes, whether they are laid out to be positive, which the model minority myth tries to do. Um, But it's our job to kind of advocate for them. And we want to encourage our members to do the same. And then finally, fellowship. We wanted to unite and support the Asian veterinary community and demonstrate our allyship alongside other affinity organizations. And I think that that's been my favorite part and unexpected of creating an affinity org is realizing how supportive everybody is of each other. And that's just been so wonderful. And eventually our vision is to create a community and establish a field that reflects the diverse communities that we're serving. And hopefully from there can enact real change. So doing the hard work for everybody else. That's really exciting. It's really, really exciting. So um, so this is, you know, over the last several years, we've seen um, a, a number of affinity groups really kind of come on the scene, certainly in the last like 18 months or so. What do you think is the role of professional affinity groups? I think that professional affinity groups are really important to provide a voice again for the communities that they represent. And that voice can be unified and Uh, targeted to advocate for tangible, achievable goals, and then eventually inspire individual members to speak out and advocate for what they want and need. Um, In general, affinity organizations are there to provide um, support for each other and as well collaborating with fellow affinity organizations to push push for mutual advancement of all of our causes. So we always joke that like, let's not reinvent the wheel different times, let's just do it all together. So together we're much stronger in advocating for change. Yeah, yeah. So are you doing um, uh, any collaborative work with the other groups yet? Yeah, so um, I'm part of kind of the group that meets monthly of of all of the uh, veterinary affinity groups and uh, the umbrella organizations. And right now they've been very, very supportive of our Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month events. They've been sharing it on their social medias and, and promoting it and attending our events, which I love seeing familiar faces. And Pride Month is about to start. So, you know, us as Asians, not only is being Asian vet med unheard of, but being a a person who identifies with Pride Month and Asian, especially with our cultural stigmas is unheard of as well. So trying to help them with that. And Multicultural Veterinary Medical Association is holding their first conference. Very exciting. So we're here to help them with that as well. And just whatever we can do. I know we're new and we don't have as many resources, but we definitely want to help as much as we can. Awesome. 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 So what do you see as some of the big things, like big kind of activities that that the organization is planning to tackle, let's say, in the next year? 
Yeah. So um, in terms of like the issues that we're tackling, I think, again, creating that diversity and leadership roles is a major thing. I want to thrust Asians into these leadership roles and have, you know, what used to be board and committee members being older white men uh, turn into Asians in higher positions that act as role models and enact change that is in the best interest of not just the white man in vet ed and also help other veterinarians and veterinary technicians of color achieve their goals and get into those things. Cause it's about who, you know, and getting your foot in the door. And if everybody who's a leader is a white man, you're not really going to get your foot in the door there. And another thing, a big issue that we want to do is just break the stigma around veterinary medicine as not a successful medical career, um, inspiring those future generations and fulfilling a phenomenal profession with these diverse groups of people. And if they feel like they're going to be supported on their journey, then more people will naturally gravitate towards wanting to become a veterinary professional. So those are kind of the biggest issues that we'll tackle. And um, and I I don't know if you wanted to ask this as a separate question, what we wanted to see in the future for the Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what's the big, what's the vision? Yeah. So um, one of the more attainable ones is student chapters at every single university within the next three Mm -hmm. years. So we've got our first chapter at Cornell, thanks to one of our founding board members, Chloe Pham. She took a step down from a leadership role with AAVMP specifically. She was a first year vet student. I completely get it. Um, But she is now uh, the founder of the Cornell chapter. So we've got, I think, about nine other veterinary schools that have reached out that are interested. And we are trying to reach out to those schools. So that's one of the things that we would like to do. And we anticipate a lot of international growth. Uh, So we, again, have those board of director positions. So we have a global outreach director that we elected. And again, Asia is such a big place. uh, Using that to kind of create pamphlets for the Asian American community where it's not as simple for us where we have one language that we can translate it to. There are 2,300 living languages in Asia. So it's a bit more challenging, but we hope to eventually create those resources for people who English is not their first language. And we also have already started, but are updating our database for the Asian community to seek veterinary care for or mentorship from members of the veterinary community that speak their language. So we have our directory on our website and it contains the location of the person as well as what languages they are comfortable speaking and whether they're open to mentorship. Oh, that's great. We've got a lot of submissions. We even have some international submissions, a couple of people in India and Pakistan, which I'm excited about. Uh Um, And then in general, uh, kind of having, eventually we're working on our 501c3 application. It's been a a little ways going. We're trying to build our foundation there, but with that uh, status, we'll be able to accept more donations to create scholarships and grants and other mentorship resources for our members, develop cultural competency programming in order to teach people about different Asian customs and just recognizing the work that Asian professionals are doing and distributing awards for their efforts and making our impact in different aspects. And of course, continuing to uphold our core values and provide that community for our members is our main priority. We don't ever want to get lost in all the things that we have to do. We want to do what we started first, which was creating that community. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's just so it's it's really um, uh, so important um, the role that affinity groups play in kind of creating um, that 
space, right, for folks to kind of come together, have that fellowship, but also some aspects of shared experience beyond vet med, right? Like, you know, um, and and that that isn't that doesn't take away from organizations like AVMA um, or state um, VMAs or that type of thing. It's really um, additive um, that, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's like, hey, white guys, don't be afraid. Like, it's like, right. Um, and that it's not anti, it's really like, Hey, there's, there's a space for us. Um, and there's, um, a, a contribution that this community can really make. So, um, so how can folks learn more about the organization? Yeah. So we started off on Instagram, so you can always follow us on there. I think we're about to hit 2000 followers and I keep checking it every day. I'm so excited. Um, our Instagram is at Asians in VetMed. And we also have a Facebook group for people who don't like, you know, Instagram for whatever reason I get it. Uh, Facebook.com slash Asians in VetMed. And we have our website. So AAVMP.org. And if any of these things, you know, you still have questions after looking through them, then you can always email us with any specific questions, Asians in VetMed at gmail.com. And we can get back to you pretty soon. Our secretary, Effie, is amazing at responding to people and making sure that their questions get answered. They are. And uh, I emailed. Uh, so like you get your... <laughs> Your, your testimonial here. So um, one thing that, that I always make sure that I ask um, leaders of the affinity organizations, are these closed groups? Do you have to be Asian to be in the organization or can allies um, kind of join the fray and, and, and help do this important work? Yeah, so we are open to whoever wants to join. So you don't have to be Asian, you don't have to be a veterinarian or even a licensed veterinary technician. You can be somebody who's maybe thinking about being a veterinarian or going to tech school, maybe not. Maybe you just want to hang out and find the field interesting and you do not have to be Asian. We love having our allies join the group and be part of the conversation because it allows them to learn more. And, you know, I feel like me being part of other affinity organizations, hearing their perspectives is how I learn the most. So we are more than happy to, you know, have anybody join. Great. Um, one other question that that wasn't on my original list, but that i um, taking the liberty as host to, to, to ask. And that is, tell us a little bit about... Um, um, you know, most of the affinity groups are focused very specifically on veterinarians. And, and, and I thought it was just so interesting that your, um, um, this organization that, that you co-founded, um, the title says veterinary medical professionals, right? And so that it's inherently broader than just DVMs. So tell us a little bit about kind of some of the thinking um, around that. Yeah, so... Again, like you were mentioning in the beginning, Asians are super underrepresented in veterinary medicine. And we felt like if we were to close off the group by saying only veterinarians, then we would not have enough community. And also we feel like support staff are so important to mm -hmm. everything that we do as veterinarians. And I started off as a certified veterinary assistant here mm -hmm. in Florida and I'm Asian and I never met anybody like me. So uh, kind of just having that space for those people as well. And today, even at noon, we had a talk with someone who's not a veterinarian, not a technician, but a certified compassion fatigue specialist who works mm. specifically for pet bereavement, yeah. so bereavement and uh, just in general with veterinarians and support staff on all of the compassion fatigue we face. And that 
person, she is an integral role in our organization because she does something for our members that, you know, veterinarians are maybe a little too busy to do or don't have the skill set. Yeah. So we just wanted to make it as inclusive as possible um, while also creating that specific space, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure. No, inclusion is is good. And I mean, you know, I think it's it's um, it's noteworthy. And I think that some um, many of our affinity groups probably have similar kind of philosophies, because, again, it's like, OK, so is it just going to be like the, the, the you know, 50 of y'all just kind of hanging out <laughs> on a Zoom together um, when there are, you know, clearly um, additional folks that are in and around the profession that really also need that support, but also you know, there are lots of um, opportunities for role modeling for other, you know, young folks out there that really need to see um, that this is possible for them. Definitely. Yeah. So how can colleagues more generally just support their AAPI colleagues? Um, First and foremost, pronouncing our names correctly uh, is definitely a big one. I suck at this myself. I am still Hira to a lot of people and I've kind of gotten used to it. And sometimes I don't even respond to my real name when I'm at the hospital. (laughs) Like it's, it's confusing, but one of my mentors in the ER, uh, he, we had somebody with a similar sounding name in one of our rotations. And he said, wait, so your name's Hira? And I'm like, actually no. And he started advocating for me to say my name properly and kind of from there, I realized, okay, I could really ask for this. I thought I kind of dug myself into a grave there. So that's one of them. And I know a lot of my colleagues kind of use their white name or their Starbucks mm-hmm. name a lot, but that's something that I'm working on personally. I'm never perfect at it, but it's, it's one of the things to support them and ask people, how do you really pronounce your name? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is If you see anybody experiencing microaggressions or racist comments, or you just see an Asian colleague being uncomfortable, speak up for them or stand with them, ask them if they're okay. These comments in this day and age are not acceptable. And it really shows meaning and solidarity when our colleagues stand with us in these situations. So I know when the Atlanta shooting happened, even though I'm not the right kind of Asian, I still had people reach out asking me if I was okay. And I, I wasn't, but you know, it, it was still really appreciative that they did. And stand with your colleagues, trust their experiences, validate them. I know that recently with the, I think it was the JAVMA article where a person submitted a comment saying that they needed somebody to prove that systemic racism existed or something along those lines. Uh, don't, don't do that. Just believe <laughs> their trauma. It doesn't have to be blatant or obvious or hurtful to have impacted that person negatively and just validate them just be there. And lastly, remember that Asians aren't a monolith. We are not a model minority. We still need help and don't diminish any struggles that are unique to the nation of Asia and each individual country. And realize we all have individual identities. Some people identify more with their Asian culture than others. I personally am huge Pakistani proponent and, you know, love my culture, love sharing it with people and other Asians feel like they can't do that. Sometimes they can't be loud and proud about it because that's how we've been taught, you know, keep your head low, serve the tea kind of things like that. But, um, just be there for your colleagues. And if you don't know how to support somebody, ask them, just say, how can I be here for you? And that's really important in those conversations. 
Yeah, absolutely. Such such a great list. Thank you so much. And I definitely want to um, double down on uh, name pronunciation. Uh, I mean, I it's something that, it, frankly, I can kind of suck at sometimes myself. Um, I so I try to always ask. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: when when folks are like, "Oh, it's so hard," I'm like, but "You learned multisyllabic medical terms." Mm-hmm. Fix your tongue, get it right. <laughs> like the <to> practice, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you know, and it's it's one of those things where it is, you know, yeah, especially in STEM disciplines and medical disciplines, when you are learning very complex words, yeah. you can do this. <laughs> you're doing cephalopathy or something, you can figure out how to say hit us. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do it. It's, it's it, you know, positive reinforcement. You can do it. Um, really, really important. Um, and I definitely advocate for folks to um, get correct people. Correct yeah, it's people. It's so hard, though. The amount of times people have been like, wait, what? What? And I'm just uncomfortable at this point. I'm like, forget it. It's here. <laughs> like, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough. But I mean, you know, for folks that are, are watching, you may have seen me cringe when you said the Starbucks name. Oh, my goodness. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. Blessed be Starbucks. Like, I mean, they struggle with Lisa, L-I-S-A. Like, so I can only imagine for... Yeah, I'm always Kira at Starbucks. Somehow they turn it into Kira and I'm like, whatever, I guess. Yeah, just, it, it, yeah like they just scream out your... <laughs> don't scream your name, just scream out your coffee, right? Like your drink. So, um, but no, it's been it's been um, a wonderful chat. Um, anything else that you think is really, really important that you want folks to know about um, AAVMP or just... AAPI veterinary medical professionals in general? Um, I think that people should just, I guess, direct people who may not know about us yet to our page and our community. Uh, I've been surprised at how many people are like, wait, are you Asians at VetMed? And I'm like, yeah, that's us. And they've heard about us. But there's still so many people who maybe if they're not on social media have not seen that community, especially the older generations. And those are the ones who have become most involved because they have seen the need as they've gone through this career and want to be there for their members. So that's something that I can ask, I guess, of people is to just tell people we exist have them come find us, message us, whatever they want. And we are always open to talking to people, being that community and just being there and just support your Asian colleagues. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I will definitely put uh, links to um, the website and the various social media um, uh, outlets in the show notes. So yeah, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. It's been a kind of brief, brief kind of chat. You're so like... So, well, this has been another episode of AAVMC's Diversity and Inclusion on Air. Uh, To my guest, Hira, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much for joining me um, to talk about uh, the Association of Asian Veterinary Medical Professionals. Yay. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. Awesome. Thank you. So uh, listeners, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and like us on Facebook. Um, And yes, Apple. Yes, we're still working on it. This is a little (laughs) little challenging, but we're getting there. We're getting there. There's just a lot of back and forth between me and Apple. Um, So uh, hopefully in the next week. Um, In any case, thanks for listening and uh, be sure to look out for the next show. (laughs) 